Welcome to another edition of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, checking in for the next to last time here in sunny Myrtle Beach. Although this week it's been a little bit chillier. I wouldn't call it necessarily warm and sunny, but uh, old man winter has made a visit to Myrtle Beach here. Uh, but uh, you know what? We're heading to greener pastures here in a few days. So I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Uncle Buck. Drew, welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you this evening? Hey, Buckets, I am good. Uh I feel like I've missed you. Uh, we talk regularly, but I mean, right. this is like the first podcast in like nine days <laughs> as we get back on our, you know, Thanksgiving just gets in the way of, of our podcast. They should really consider moving dates for Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, inconsiderate pilgrims and Indians, you know, <laughs> I guess the Indians didn't do anything wrong. They didn't. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Wow. You know, they uh, they were just, just hospitable. And we're just we getting come. started and you're going to get us canceled. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's been nine days since our last podcast yeah. and a lot's happened and, uh, we've got a lot of time to talk about it. And I think this podcast may take what, three, four, five hours. I think days? we were talking off air that we may talk till tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah. buckle up. So, that's all I got to uh, say. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's been real nice. I, I'm glad to get back here, get back in the, in the swing of things, get back in a routine. Holidays are great. Traveling's great. Seeing friends are great. But I'm a creature of habit, and I feel yeah. like I say this on this podcast every time we get a little sideways on our schedule, is that I I just crave getting back into my in my schedule here. And, and yeah. Rusty, don't be too envious because here in Mississippi it's not any warmer. Yeah. So uh, you're you're coming you're coming at the right time. Yeah, I am. Uh, my brother is texting me just about every day, kind of leading up to this. One week away, Clark flies in. <clears throat> We're gonna load the truck, get everything going, and then we'll be back home next Saturday. Uh, for v- Adventures Unknown. So super excited yeah. about that. Get back in the mix and be back in North Mississippi, close to family, Absolutely. close to y'all. And it's bittersweet. I had happy hour with some coworkers tonight, and I really am going to miss my coworkers. You know, everybody feels like they have great coworkers, and mine are the best. I, you know, they've been great to grow this area with. They've been really kind to me and walked with me through a lot of things and trusted me in growth in this area and just really, really thankful for them. And uh, coming off of Thanksgiving, I feel like it's still appropriate to be thankful for things. We're not quite to the Christmas hustle where you're not grateful anymore. You're just, you know, fat and sassy <laughs> and full me, of cheese. Me, yeah, yeah, fat and sassy and full of cheese and r- not real sure what day it is. But uh, just really grateful for them and the time that I got with them tonight. So shout out to all my coworkers here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Definitely going to miss y'all. Yeah. Uh, your loss is our gain, I reckon, for the most part anyway. Depends on your perspective, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And so Rusty's going to come back home in the next week. And, uh, I mean, I don't know that we've got anything on the books now, but there will, I mean, it'll be pretty quick. Yeah, for so, sure. For sure. Uh, we'll, we'll have some, some neat stuff for you, uh, especially down the road when Rusty truly gets to live in North Mississippi instead of his uh, little temporary Band-Aid home while he trains. Uh, and so uh, when we get there, man, we're going to have all kinds of fun Ooh, stuff for you. Man, this, this podcast is just going to only get better and better. So super, super excited about those days and looking forward to some more episodes in person. And uh, you never know what we'll come up with for some content for this thing. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely have to like film some golf or something. <laughs> Let's go. That'll be yeah. for the Patreon account. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Rusty, you've already told us what you're thankful for. Uh, let me tell you what I am thankful for. Yeah. And uh, that is that the Egg Bowl seems to n- be going in the direction of being played on Saturdays mm, again. Yes. Uh, I, I'm i telling you, like, I've, I'm a broken record on this. You know, I keep – it's like we keep skipping back to the last week when I was went on my rant about how much I hated 
the Egg Bowl being on Thanksgiving, even so far as to say just play it in October, just don't play it on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they heard me. You know, Greg Sankey, uh, Greg Sankey, uh, our athletic directors at our respective uh, institutes that we cheer for, have heard this podcast and seem to have agreed with us because next year's Egg Bowl is not scheduled to be on Thanksgiving. It's not scheduled at all, but uh, no one would comment one way or the other as to whether or not this game will be played on Thanksgiving. And uh, that is a step in the right direction other than just an obvious yes, you know. Yeah. I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, you know, I was talking with somebody about that just yesterday. Like, I love Thanksgiving. We've talked about this in this podcast. It is the greatest holiday. It's our favorite holiday. And nothing ruins it more than a rivalry football game because on Thursday I had a great time with with the friend of the podcast, the Scott family, whose son Keith, yeah. that hat was, belonged to. We've talked about him numerous times on this podcast. Uh, I was just a ball of anxiety all day. I was just dreading it. And it wasn't like I was excited about the game. And even if State was coming in undefeated, I would probably have been even more anxious than I was coming in with five wins. Right. And all day long, I was just dreading it. And I came home. I watched it by myself here on the couch, just in misery, knowing that even if we won, like you said last week, like it's not a joyous win. It's just relief no, that it's never over. is. It's just yeah. over. And and so I'm really grateful that I'm gonna get Thanksgiving holiday back. The, the, the mascot of the podcast, Mr. Ted, peeking over Drew's shoulder. If you're what's watching up, YouTube, on YouTube video, YouTube watchers, what's up, Ted? Ted? Has stolen my recliner. <laughs> he just had to make his appearance on the podcast. So if you're he's, listening, he's like check us neighbor. out on YouTube. He's like the neighbor in Home Improvement. Uh, Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson, we just see the eyes popping up. So if you're on Spotify or Apple, check out our YouTube channel, Two Buck Sports Podcast. Shameless plug. Shout out to Ted for that. Uh, But I'm grateful to get my Thanksgiving back. So now I can just eat, drink, and be merry on Thanksgiving, and then I can be miserable on Friday or Saturday. I will say, devil's advocate here, other side, the winning team from the Egg Bowl, when it's played on Thursday, that next Saturday, championship Saturday, is just a dream. I mean, you're talking about kicking your feet up with no anxiety at all. And last Saturday was cram-packed full of amazing football mm. with all the rivalry weeks games going on. Lots of almost upsets. Ooh. I mean, just a crazy week a Saturday of football. And it was nice just being able to kick my feet up sure. and watch that without having to, you know, bite my nails until See, 6 when o'clock I was, when the Egg Bowl comes When out. I was at State, we played it on Friday. And that was like the perfect in-between because you had Thanksgiving you could gonna, enjoy. Yeah. You played on Friday, game's over, and then you can enjoy – you know, Alabama-Auburn, the game. You can enjoy all these big rivalry games on Saturday because you were in the in-between stop. Right. I agree with you. And I was actually going to mention that. Play it on Good Friday. I mean, on Black Friday would be great. Mm-hmm. Split is It threads the needle quite nicely. Play it on Good Friday. I don't care. As long as it's not on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't care what Friday you play it on. It's just not right. on Thanksgiving Day anymore. I agree. It's a, right. it's a cool tradition because that's how the game used to be played back in the 60s. But who cares? They didn't even have face masks back then. So let's put this thing on Friday and let me enjoy my Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, nothing makes me madder than clinging to traditions that were set when they were playing with leather helmets. I mean, that's it. It's like, you know, this is still 2023, and America is a land of tradition, especially with baseball and all this other kind of stuff. But it's like at some point you got to appreciate the year that we're in and the abilities that we have and the technologies that we have Mm -hmm. and the schedules that we have, you know, to to make some adjustments to get off of the things that we did just – we do just because that's how they've always been done. Right. 
Real quick, you know, we asked our Instagram followers too. We've talked about what we're thankful for with the Egg Bowl and with my coworkers. And we asked our Instagram listeners what they were thankful for. And we got quite a few responses and some of them are, are good. Um, first up, our first answer was from Molly Connell, <clears throat> one of my coworkers, friend of the podcast, works in our uh, Carolina Forest Conway office, said my coworkers and bosses. So shout out Molly, your pay raise is on the way for sucking up to me oh, and Hannah. Wow. <laughs> hey Molly, you got something on your nose there. <laughs> Uh, then Kurt gave us three back-to-back-to-back quality oh, answers. I mean, who he else, right? Cousin help Kurt, himself. friend of the podcast, said, first of all, my wonderful family. Just kidding. It's beer. <laughs> I'm thankful for beer. <laughs> Number two, yeah. I'm going to read it as it's typed, and then we'll oh, correct okay. it after. Because clearly, yes. the first thing he's thankful for influenced these next two, I'm convinced. <laughs> so the second thing is caller idea. Because some people ain't worth talking to. And he's talking about me, apparently, because he <laughs> never answers when I call. So he's using his caller ID, or idea, uh-huh. apparently, to screen those calls. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, he says, I'm thankful for my overweight friends, for I will not be the one who dies first in a bear attack. Yeah. Again, he just keeps talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> New friend of the podcast, Sarah Sanders, says she is thankful for baseball and cold showers. So... Like not bad. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, baseball and cold showers. She's. You know what I think about baseball and cold showers when I need to think about that. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's a little bit. Uh, a friend of the podcast is being a little modest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other friend of the podcast, Katie Absher, says green bean casserole and pants that fit afterwards. Uh, green bean casserole is trash. What? Oh, trash. Oh, trash. my God. We have survived so much. They made much. a casserole based off uh, of, like, the fourth greatest vegetable. And then they're like, oh, it's amazing. No, it's mm. not. It is just, it is green beans that are at their apex. Okay. And they made a casserole around it. It is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> I don't understand. If you're watching I mean, YouTube, you're seeing this hella side eye <laughs> that I'm giving right now because I mean, let me just tell you, man, like green bean casserole is one of the best part. You put the little onion straws on top. Like there is nothing better than green bean casserole at Thanksgiving or one of the best things about Thanksgiving nothing is green bean better, casserole. I said one nothing. of the best. I corrected myself. I corrected okay. myself. I'm just telling you, you put, took the most mid vegetable of all time. It's like saying, oh, I'm going to make. The best jelly out of pears. It's mm. like, no, nobody wants it. <laughs> no like, pear jelly. No, every, you know, the thing about seasonal foods that everybody gets all hot and bothered about because of the season that they're in mm. is the reason that they're seasonal is because nobody can eat them year-round. Like, turkey and dressing is great. I don't want turkey and dressing 18, <laughs> eight, 12 months a year. Sure. Nah, I like my turkey and dressing when I like my turkey and dressing. Same, if green bean casserole was so dang good, we would eat it 12 months a year, but it's not. I disagree. We In my family, we have it at Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving. It's one of the uh, staples. It's Jesus' holiday. That's right. All the special holidays <laughs> we have on those days. I love green bean casserole, personally. It's always been a favorite of mine. I've eaten it forever. Shout out Mama Lee, green bean casserole. I, I agree with Katie. I'm especially thankful for, again, I talk about this, this every America. year. We have tater tots in our casserole. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about this every year at Thanksgiving. Mary always posts this one meme, and it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. The best thing about being a mom is that at Thanksgiving, your maternity pants become my turkey pants. And so <laughs> shout out to Mary for those. And then lastly, 
One of our favorite fans, especially near and dear to your heart, uh, Mrs. Haley Gann responded oh, that I am thankful my honey has buckets to do this podcast with. Haley. Oh, hey, she right. was not. You all right. Yeah. She's, she's, she is very thankful uh, when she's feeling grateful in the moment. I mean, in the moment, you're just like, oh, I'm so glad he has that. About 9 o'clock when this podcast ends and the kids are crying, she's like, well, you just quit that dang thing. <laughs> like, you talk to him eight times a day. You never, every time you talk with me on the phone, you're just trying to get off the phone. And then you get off the phone with him and you get on a podcast. <laughs> like, well, Haley, I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm being dramatic. It's not that bad. But <laughs> there are, there, I have gotten, you know, you know, when we wrap up the podcast, you know, I give you that look. I'm like, I'm not hanging around to talk. And then I met like in my chair with a screaming kid. Yeah. Like, yeah, there are those days too. So many times it's all right. Got to go deal with the kid. And it ends. And I'm still <laughs> yeah. here looking at a blank screen, waiting to upload. And I'm like panicking. Cause I'm the IT guy, sound guy, apparently <laughs> somehow. Um, yeah. And so like, I'm here going, please load, please download, please download <laughs> until it pops up. And then I'm like, Whew. all right. It pops up every time. It's never once. Right. not, Knock on wood, right. but I get nervous every time you run off. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that her honey has buckets to record a podcast with as well. It's been a fun time. Yeah, same. <clears throat> oh, let's ruin it right now. Let's talk about the Egg Bowl. <laughs> Thanks for coming out to Bucks Sports Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, man. So, let's go. We're, this is how, and I talked to, we talked yesterday, and uh, we've kind of flown by the seat of our pants the last month or so doing the podcast. It seems to work really well, but. I think, you know, we need to kind of have a little segment, and this is kind of what I want to do is this is going to be a, like, post-mortem episode of the Two Buck Sports Podcast, and it's going to be talking about our two teams. We're going to look back at – well, first we're going to talk about the Egg Bowl, wrap up the season, and then I want us to look back at what we predicted, what Vegas kind of saw, and what the storylines were going into it. Versus how we looked and just kind of giving each other a grade, like giving each team a grade on on how we looked and, and how we think we fared compared to uh, expectations. And, and then maybe even a couple teams that stood out to us in the SEC. But uh, first off, Egg Bowl, uh, do you have any first thoughts before I get into it? You know, it was a lot closer of a game than I thought it was going to be. Um, Ole Miss kind of imposed their will in the second half, but it was close at halftime, and I think it was more – you and I were texting during the game a little bit. <clears throat> it was just more ugly football than it was actually good defensive football. State, we couldn't move the ball to save our lives. Ole Miss felt very much like they were just throwing teaser jabs just to kind of see what they could get away with, what was going to work, what they could find. And then once a lead was ascertained, it felt very much like Lane Kiffin just took his foot off the gas and was like, we're just going to run this football and win this football game and get out of here healthy because, honestly, our defense didn't play awful. And Ole Miss's defense didn't play awful, but – it felt very much like Ole Miss had control of that football game. Could It could have probably scored 30, 35 points, but just really chose not to. We just didn't have an answer uh, on offense. We could not move the football. I still don't know how this team beat Arizona. Uh, we'll get into that here in a few Arizona minutes. Arizona changed quarterbacks halfway Holy through the season. Smokes. <laughs> and they're such a better football team. But I just um, – it, it honestly went about as expected. Ole Miss uh, was by far the better football team, could move the football, second half imposed their will, and really just leaned on our thin, unresponsive defense with no pulse. 
And that was it. I mean, really, the biggest takeaway for me was let's get this thing over with and find out who our next head coach is going to be. Because that game, you know, like we've talked about, it would have been nice to extend that bowl streak just to have the bowl streak. But it would have been like we've talked about the Birmingham or the Cheez It or the Liberty Bowl. The bowl streak died. It's a bowl just for the point of extending a streak. And so the bowl streak died, and it it served a purpose. The bowl streak is over, which sucks, but now we can move on and we can talk about – thought we were going to talk about a continued head coaching search – but in a bit, we can talk about the new head coach. Yeah, so it's, it was just a means to an end for me. Get get the season over, and let's move on to the head coaching search. So the game was a 10-point spread. The I mean, Vegas is Vegas for a reason. Uh, typically, when, before they lose, they're going to give them a, a, themselves a real good chance at pushing. They, they get the number right on the money more times than not. Um 10-point spread, and I was a bundle of nerves for reasons we've outlined on this podcast. Ole Miss came into the game 9-2 and two with the opportunity to finish 10-2 and two for the second time in three years in the regular season, something that has never been done at Ole Miss, to have a regular season 10-win team. Uh, we had a chance to do it two times in three years, and that's what's at stake versus Mississippi State, a team that is not good, is you know, but they do get – hyped up for this game your boys came out with a four-wheeler once again and gave one of the most ridiculous on-field uh interviews I've ever seen in my life just the dumbest word vomit I've ever seen in my life just got caught up in the moment and huffing (laughs) those he was huffing those four-wheeler fumes (laughs) is all I can explain for those that didn't see it he he comes out of the tunnel in the four-wheeler and Cole Kublik says, what's this about? And he was just like, what does this four-wheel represent? And he's like, this is just about overcoming adversity. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then On a he just scoots the four-wheeler over just to the side and parks it against the railing and hops off. And I was like, boy, that was nothing. Great. Let's <laughs> yeah. go get him, coach. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, you get hyped up and you're like, okay, Mississippi State's a team that they, they want to – I mean, they're playing for one reason right now, and it's not to extend that bowl streak, but it's to not beat Ole Miss. That's where we were at in the season. It's the reason why I wish they had moved this game to October. Um, because team, one way or another, these teams are going to get real mouthy, and it did get mouthy in several times during this game, and I'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Um, but then the game started. And if it's anything like what I was uh, – experience as a rock and roll star you've got all these nerves and whatnot and then you get up on stage you hit that first note and it's like game time everything chills out and uh, so that's what kind of happened in this game is the ball gets kicked off and I kind of felt like Lane knew exactly what he was doing okay so let me say this so Lane's Lane's identity, what he's known for. the You know, he was uh, Joey Freshwater. He's going forward on fourth down. He's playing analytics. He's he's doing things everybody else isn't. He's being riskier. He's pushing all of his chips on, in on the table all the time. Well, in that first quarter, we punted like every time. And it seemed like every time we had a fourth and short in or around midfield that I feel like if it's a game that he feels like he's got to score in, he's going for it every time. Mm. And every single time he punted. And despite having an offense that worked, I kept gaining more confidence because it kept showing that he was not scared at all about your offense. Oh, yeah. It shouldn't have been. Uh, um, 
Pete Golding earned every single bit of his money. He had a great game plan. And he's shown, Pete Golding and Lane, they've shown to be able to work together to formulate a game plan for each individual team. And in this case, on Thursday night in the Egg Bowl, he they just decided State's not going to outscore us. We're going to run the football. We're going to, quote-unquote, play it safe. And the dam will break. And that's what they did. They just kept running the ball with Judkins. They just kept that nothing. State's defense played extremely well, especially on big plays. They limited all big plays. And so they just proceeded to call the most boring game of offensive football you've ever seen until it worked. And when it worked, uh, I got nervous uh, in the second half. Ole Miss is up three to nothing going into the second half. State goes down early in the third quarter and scores, and the place gets loud. I did, that's the only time I got nervous because in that st- I've been in that stadium where Ole Miss is the better team, but Mississippi State is scrappy. And they and, believe. And they believe, and the cowbells get on top of you. And if you're not mentally tough and don't have a game plan on how you're going to overcome the noise, mm. then it can get on top of you, and you can get tight. And when you get tight in – rivalry games in which the other team has nothing to lose, that's when you get popped and you can get wobbly. And in response to that state score to go up 7-3, Ole Miss immediately went and scored to go up 10-3. I mean, 10-7. And at that point, I looked at my dad and I was like, it's over. Yeah. Like, Will Rogers did not look healthy at all. It's something about his – first off, he was wildly inaccurate, but it looks – to me like there was a hitch in his in his throwing yeah. arm and it, he was just one hopping everything even they tried to get him on some of those quick timing routes uh, yeah. that Leach did so well and he just was not accurate at all Woody Marks was banged up the backup running back got rocked early in the game they had a third string running back I mean there was just no chance that State was going to score 10 no. points at that game at that point in the no. game we were lucky to points. get the 7 that we got and so uh once the emotion kind of wore off of the game, I was hoping – my hope was you get on top of them early and, and they quit. I mean, you just don't have any – when the emotion's out of an Egg Bowl game, it typically leads to a blowout. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, uh, that's what I was hoping would happen. When it didn't happen that way, you just weathered that their best shot. They, yeah. they went up seven, you immediately went back and scored, and at that point I was like, ah, this is done. This is done. Yeah. You know, there was a few little glimmers of, of highlights for State. Bookie Watson, who declared for the draft. He was great. He's great. He had 42 tackles over the last two games. 21 against yeah. Southern Miss. 21. Like, every play, 14 was around the ball. Yeah. Phenomenal football player. Jet Johnson wasn't far behind him. He had 15 tackles. And it's sad that the two best linebackers in program history are going to be wasted on this defense. But it just further proved what happened today. Jeff Levy, absolutely clean house today. Matt Brock is gone. Uh, Tony Hughes is gone, which I was a little bit bummed about because he knows the state of Mississippi and recruits it very well. But that's but he his clean only house. I mean, that's it. He, that's it. I mean, and, and it needed to happen. He's a, only a recruiter. A, and you yeah. weren't doing very good in state. Yeah. <laughs> a, you know, a fresh start's needed. He's already made comment. And we'll get into state here in a few minutes. Anyway, yeah. not, we're still, still talking about the Egg Bowl. For me, it served a purpose. You're absolutely right. Ole Miss did what they wanted. Shout out Pete Golding. He had a great game plan, but then again, like our offense is bad. And so it didn't take a great game plan to beat that offense. Will Rogers did not look the part. 
very much underwhelming. I wish him well in his future endeavors. He has entered the right. transfer portal, and he's going to end up in an air raid offense, a Western Kentucky somewhere that he'll just do really well at and throw the ball all, all over the yard. I think I, he got a $400,000 offer from Auburn last year. I get, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Hugh Freeze came in and targeted him, and he decided he wanted to try to break the record at Mississippi State and put all of his eggs in the Zach Garnett basket. Which, speaking of, yeah. the other thing that needs to happen is Kevin Barbe needs to be arrested for fraud because he had a great offense at App State. He coached one of the NCAA, like the leading rushers. I think it was at like Eastern Kentucky or Eastern Illinois, wherever he was. He just wasn't ready for big-time ball, and he lied to us because he said that he was not going to change the offense that much. And what does he do? We've talked about it on this podcast a couple times. He comes in, and he completely upends everything we were trying to do with the air raid and led to one of the most ineffective offenses I have ever seen at Mississippi State. And I watched – and I was under Coach Kroon for multiple years. And, like, it's unbelievable how bad this offense was. And so – I think that just goes to show you that was my biggest – we're going to go back and really dive into what we said and what happened. But that was my biggest thing with Arnett. He just had no connections. And he got who he could could get. And an OC at App State didn't really scream like needle mover anyways, you know. And so uh, it turned out – I mean, you're going you're going to be this way next year. You're this way this year. Uh, by the time August gets here, you're going to be pumped. And you were pumped for Arnett. You were pumped for Barbe. Yeah, and, I was. I uh, bought in. Yeah, and I talked about this today. You can talk yourself. No, you can talk yourself into anything. I talked about this today. Uh, shout out friend of the podcast, Granger uh, Mangan. I work with him. He's a big Carolina fan. Carolina grad. I told North him North or like, South. South. He's Gamecock. I uh, I told him, you know, all off season, I was like, this is going to be a bad year. It's a rebuilding year from, like, when Coach Leach died in December, the bowl game. I got yeah. a little hype, but I was the whole off season. We talked about it. I'm like, ah, it's going to be yeah. a tough year. Then as August got a little closer. That bowl that, game was special, though. That, yeah, it, really it was. Did, yeah. The hype got a little higher. We got a little – I got a little more excited, and I bought high, and I own that. And I learned yeah. my lesson, you know. I, 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 it, Fan it's part is short of it. for fanatic. That's it. I mean, you know, it's when those those Athlon magazines come out in July and you start getting hyped about your team. And you start thinking, you know, we got a lot of starters coming back, especially on defense. Matt Brock is a Zach Garnett protege. It's not going to be a change. And then it was anything but. Okay, so we're done with the Egg Bowl. Let's go back and look at what yeah. we said in the uh, opener, the, the first – Royal Rumble of the podcast when we started the season and yelled and screamed at each other for about a two and a half hour. Wait, that was a long it. episode. It was a long episode. Um, this is – I'll start with Ole Miss. So, Vegas had Ole Miss's um, strength of schedule – I mean, uh, over under at seven and a half wins. They had the second hardest strength of schedule in the SEC – Sports Illustrated ranked them as the fourth hardest strength of schedule preseason based solely on opponents' win-loss in the previous year. And so there were other publications that did other rankings. Sports Illustrated was just the one I found first. Um, and so the fourth hardest strength of schedule, you look at looking down your schedule, and the out-of-conference games were pretty easy compared to previous years. Uh, with the exception of on the road at Tulane. And then you got Georgia coming from the east. 
I and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember if I said eight and four or nine and three for Ole Miss, but I had the over on seven and a half. I believe you said. Hang on, I got it right here. You said eight and four. Eight and four. Mm-hmm. So I was two games better than what I. Yeah. Ole Miss was two games better than what I did. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the case as if this was probably the greatest Ole Miss season of all time. Uh, because we've seen – last year we saw a 10-win season – or two years ago we saw a 10-win regular season. Had Matt Corral. Uh, you went undefeated at home in the uh, for the whole season. Again, you did that again this year. But this year you had like LSU with – you beat LSU at home. And your only losses are on the road at Alabama and at Georgia. It was the first year of a new defensive coordinator. It, it just felt like it was – it felt like – this year felt like the tide turning into where Ole Miss goes on the road and beats Auburn. And instead of being like, hey, we just beat Auburn on the road, it was like, yeah, we should have beat Auburn on the road. We're better. We've been better for the last three years. Uh, you beat LSU at home. And you're just like, yeah, well, we should have beat LSU – or. At that time, I don't guess we thought that. But looking back at it, you know, because LSU was the first big win of the season. It was the turning point of the season that gave you these high expectations. But it was just a fun year to root for Ole Miss. Uh, you've got – you had a returning quarterback that you've grown to love and see develop. You've got – you had your star running back returning. You got to see him for a second year. Uh, the defense made – incremental improvements every single week. Uh, you look at what LSU did, and it was an absolute shootout. But then down the road, you got you saw where uh, you had um, wins on both sides of the football. With A&M, you know, you get lucky. And Ole Miss outperformed them, uh, outperformed their expectations this year. If you go back, I, I'll think about that last year's Minnesota Vikings team. I think they went like 13-0 and in one-possession games, you know. And it's just like an act of God and a miracle that how in the world can you go 13-0 and in one-possession games? It right. feels like that's what Ole Miss did this year. Jaden Daniels had a ball in the air to win the game against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M had a ball on the foot to tie the game in Oxford, and it gets blocked. K.J. Jefferson has a ball in the air again to beat Ole Miss. And it just feels like we've been on the wrong end for so long of all these 50-50 plays, fourth and 25, or uh, Treadwell breaking his leg going into the end zone, or whatever. I mean, I could go for days on feel like where we could have won but didn't. feels like this year was just a year full of we could lose but we didn't. And I feel like it's just there's been a mindset change at Ole Miss to where as long as Lane Kiffin's there, that you just have kind of have that blanket trust that you're not going to suck. Yeah. Now the SEC's hard. The SEC's going to stay hard. Uh, this year you had to go to Georgia. It, that's hard. You had you had your normal SEC West schedule, and you won all of them except Alabama. Yeah. And so you really can't ask for a better season. And I know those Ole Miss fans looking at rankings right now and trying to see. If you're going to go to New Year's Six game, or you're going to end up falling a little to like the best non-New Year's Six game being the Citrus Bowl, uh, a Florida Bowl, uh, still, and yeah, and 
there there's kind of gnashing of teeth looking at Ole Miss's strength of schedule and how they compare that to Missouri and records and top 25 records and all this. There's a gnashing of teeth, and we're going to ready to feel like we're going to get gypped when the committee puts Missouri in the Cotton Bowl and Ole Miss in the Citrus. When I'm just sitting back here, but man, that was fun. It was it was just fun. Yeah. You know, we it was a wild ride. There was lots of games that were exciting. You know, being a Georgia fan is great. I'm sure you'd never lose. But you don't get drama. That's what you do sports for. It's for the the immaculate highs and the, the valleys and then coming back up from the grave. Like that's what sports is about. That's what makes sports so fun, mm. you know? And you got on the right end of that every single time this year. Sure, I can go back and look at, man, if we had that Alabama game over again early in the season, I felt like in that game we were better than them. Alabama hadn't figured it out yet. But, you know, we finished 10-2 and two with your two losses on the road at Bama and on the road at Georgia, and you're just kind of like, man, what do I got to be upset about? Yeah. You know, sure, I want to go to the Cotton Bowl. I want to go to the Peach Bowl or the Fiesta against uh, somebody that's not Tulane. Yeah. Uh, but a Citrus Bowl as a ten and two team in the regular season against Iowa would would be fun. I mean, you're talking about contrasting styles. I mean, there's a lot about that game that could be really interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, and so just all in all, I think it's great. You finish the season, like I said, the the fourth hardest strength schedule going into it. At the end of the season, their strength of schedule was fifth based on the games that they've played. And their re- strength of record was eighth, you know. So looking at the games you've won in laws versus how good your teams are, to finish eighth in the country, uh, it's just, I mean, it's a smashing, smashing success, and couldn't be any happier. You know, we've made it through silly season. You have not heard one single Lane rumor that's Mm-mm. credible. Anything, you know, the only time you saw Lane was when, you know, recruiting sites like to use his picture because he gets tons of clicks. You know, he's social media savant you know Mm -hmm. and so uh that's you you have you know you're gonna have another season of him you know it's a it's a good time to be alive i'll be honest with you like (laughs) and next year you play georgia again but you don't play alabama you go to 12 team playoff and and that's what i take from it it's like yeah this 14 playoff this year it's chaotic we were never going to make it after we lost to alabama and alabama won out Mm -hmm. we're never going to make the playoff (laughs) But next year's twelve, and right now at ten and two in the SEC with two SEC losses, without really even a chance to sniff the title game, we'd still be in the playoff. Yeah, we would. Sure. We would be playing a a road game in an opposing team's home stadium in the first ever college football playoff, and I mean that's just a dream. Yeah, you know, couldn't ask for a better season than that. Particularly yeah. knowing that your two, the two your two losses, play on Saturday for the SEC championship game. Yeah, and I mean. Listen, if you told me best case scenario, wildest scenario before the season, I would have said ten and two with losses at Georgia and at Alabama. Because what rational person yeah. picks their team to win at Georgia and at Alabama? 
Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Especially in the same year. That's that's tough. Yeah. And so, again, I agree. I mean, very impressive on-field product. A lot of great guys that stepped up and made plays. You know, you did it without Judkins for the first part of the season because he was kind of non-existent. He came on yeah, late he, and played better late down bloomer. the stretch. Yeah, but, but Boy, he had an egg bowl, though. He had a great egg Angry bowl. runs. That's what I'm that saying. That was one of the most ferocious mm-hmm. runs I've ever seen up the middle in my yeah. life. <laughs> I mean, he came on late, and to be able to just, can not, just not miss a beat and lean on Jackson Dart, who – I don't think – and you may correct me if I'm wrong, not a lot of people thought he would win that starting job at the beginning of the year with the quarterback room that had come in. I mean, he yeah, had an outshot I, I shot everybody. as a returner. But you got like Spencer Sanders who's won big games and played good football in the right. Big 12. And um, the LSU transfer uh, – uh, uh, Walker, Walker Howard. Howard, thank you. Um, yeah. You know – for him to step in and have the season that he had, I mean, it, it was impressive all the way around. A phenomenal season for the Ole Miss Rebels, no doubt. Yeah, and so going forward for Ole Miss, you look at the transfer portal like you do every year. You know, you haven't seen – Ole Miss has already had a, a freshman tight end get into the portal and out a day <laughs> later. Uh, it's just going to be silly season. There's rumors Judkins gets in the portal. There's rumors that everybody gets into the portal and – uh, there's rumors Harold Perkins from LSU is getting in the portal. And what you've just got to remember, so Rusty, if any Ole Miss player jumps into the portal that seems to be shocking, just remember every life is leverage. Listen. And Ole Miss has got a pile of money that they're planning on spending on new guys that the existing guys think they need a portion of. And so life is leverage, and this is all about the players right now. Um, I, I had this conversation again today with Granger. So <clears throat> he's all been out of shape. The Juice Wells entered the transfer portal today. Yeah. Last year, Tulu Griffin was not Tulu. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah Tulu Griffin, not yeah. Tulu Smith. Tulu Griffin was all on Twitter recruiting these guys to come to Starville and recruiting Xavier Thomas to get him to stay and trying to get uh, Ra Ra to come back from Georgia. It was all right. over Twitter recruiting. And then at like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night, he entered the transfer portal and right. Twitter melted down in Starville. Right. Only for 36 hours later, not even, he re-signed with Mississippi State. It's all about leverage and being able to get more money. He wanted more NIL money, and he got it. And so, right. so what I told Granger today, like, yes, Juice Wells is testing the water. Is he likely to transfer? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah. he may be just testing the water to get some of that money that they have available for these transfer portal players saying, look, I've been here. I've done this. I've been a stud receiver in Juice's uh, or in Tulu's uh, case as well. Pay me before you go transfer, hitting up the transfer portal. And you're going to see a lot of that. You know, it's the whole, you know, give the in-house staff a promotion before you go hire out. out 100%. You know, and so that's that's what this is. And for teams on the rise like Ole Miss that that have a lot of enthusiasm in giving, like they're going to want their cut because in Quinshawn Judkins and Jackson Dart's point of view, I'm a two-year stud. I'm draft eligible next year. Give me one more year, right. you know. And for Mississippi State, there's excitement because of a, a new coach always brings excitement. Mm-hmm. There's going to be lots of people wanting to give to give Jeff Lebby the opportunity to put together a yep. good team and a good staff. We already got Google on board. One. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, those guys like um, uh, what's his name uh, Griffin, Tulu Griffin, yeah, Tulu, and any of your other guys. I'm sure. Jet Johnson's going to try to come back for ninth year, so he'll probably get in the transfer portal to try to get some money to pay for his doctorate's degree. <laughs> and there's all these guys, all these players that you like, and I'm, there's not many on Mississippi State right now, but the ones that you like, 
expect him to get in the portal. 100%. 100%. You know? Any guys, Woody, uh, Woody Marks, have any eligibility left are going to enter the portal at least test the waters. And so, Just think if, like, you're – your grandma or your uncle hits the lottery. You're going to suddenly start sweetening up to your mm-hmm. uncle. You know, hundred percent. Do what you remember. Hey, you remember that time I helped you break your leaves? Like, that's what they're doing right. Hundred percent. Just trying to see what money's available. So you're right. Don't panic. Don't panic when your players get in the portal. Don't jump for joy when the when your rivals get in the portal. Recognize right. that's the state of college football, and these kids are going to test the waters and they're going to try and get their bag while they can because football is such a fickle game that you could be playing one minute and you're always one catastrophic injury away from never playing again. So go get your money while you can, and so that's what these kids are doing. It's a different college football than you and I grew up with, but it is what it is right now. If as a for you as a Mississippi State fan, one name in the portal. That you should keep an eye on KJ Jefferson. Uh, we'll get to that I in a minute. I think there is a there's a path solid to opportunity. There's a solid path. For he KJ fits. To so we'll go ahead and dive into Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Jeff Levy. Um, so backing up, utterly disappointing on all fronts for Mississippi State football this year. The defense was it got worse as the season went on, and that was supposed to be our anchor this year as we adjusted and made changes without Mike Leach though we were promised not a lot of changes, a little bit more pro-style, mostly air raid, and we got very little air raid, all pro-style, and it just flopped on offense. Our defense was supposed to be our staple, what we could lean on and count on in those in the trenches to win us in football games, and it was somehow worse than the offense. We couldn't stop a nosebleed in most games, man. And like the and, and in the games that our offense showed up, see South Carolina, we scored 30 points, but we gave up 37, mm-hmm. and we just couldn't stop people. And so... Utterly disappointed. I've bemoaned this point and belabored this point every week on this podcast, so I'm not going to like beat a dead horse tonight. Just could not be more disappointing. One and seven in conference for the first time in 15 years. Just an awful, awful season. Not a lot to feel good about, other than the fact we get a fresh start next year. Yeah, you go that's get a, it. That's something to. That's something. That's to be it. Thankful for. That's it. You know, nothing on the field product was great, but an opportunity for a fresh start under a a very good offensive mind. He comes with some baggage. Mississippi State, for those of you living under a rock, may not know, we hired Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator in Oklahoma. He's coming Former. back. He's coming back to the state of Mississippi after spending <laughs> it some time under Lane Kiffin in Oxford at Ole Miss. Um, so some magnolia ties, but he's coming back to be the head coach at Mississippi State. You know, uh, tapping into the Brett Venables coaching tree to bring him in. Um, That's so funny. Oh, man. I, I love the Brett Venables coaching tree. Sure. Only, only because that's not the first coaching tree you said to me. Because you're refusing to say what's true is that you just went and hired the first Kiffin assistant ever. He's, you hired somebody off of the Kiffin tree. You say you're not little brother, but you're getting no. our hand-me-downs. We got, we got, from the Brett Venables coaching tree, we got Jeff <laughs> Levy from Oklahoma who brings an exciting <laughs> style of offense. What has Brett Venables ever done to advance Jeff Levy's career? <laughs> Gave him a job at Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lateral move. That's the, oh, my God. We need to talk about Santa Claus if you think it's title, a lateral title, move from Ole Miss. Title title. Uh, if you think it's a lateral move from Ole Miss to Oklahoma, we got other issues. Offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator is a lateral move. Anyway, referring to. top two in every offensive statistical category this past year. Dylan Gabriel had a phenomenal year at quarterback, and we're going to need a guy who can run and throw. That's what fits this Jeff Levy offense. K.J. Jefferson could be that guy because when he's healthy, K.J. Jefferson's a stud. And, and I'll be honest with you, if you can get Dylan Gabriel, you go get Dylan Gabriel. Oh my Dylan God. Gabriel was oh coming to Ole Miss gosh. 
When Dylan Gabriel was committed to Ole Miss out of the transfer portal, and then Lebby took the job to go to Oklahoma, and then Dylan Gabriel went to Oklahoma. Just and he's got know, a year of eligibility left. If Dylan Gabriel somehow ends up in Starkville, I will do a special edition podcast, edition podcast, and be insufferable, shirtless, <laughs> shirtless, oh. and insufferable. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna want to watch it, but I will be on here, Dadgummit. <laughs> Um, but no, 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 for real. Like Levy's already saying all the right things. He's going to attack the transfer portal really hard. Going to look for a quarterback that fits his system. They're going to be very aggressive in going after some of the biggest names in the transfer portal. And that's what we're going to have to do. If we're going to be competitive next year, he's come out and said in its coach speech, I'm sure we're not looking for a rebuild next year. We're looking to be competitive next year. And we do that through the transfer portal. And so he's got connections across college football, uh, with his time at Oklahoma, with some of the connections that he has, I think there's an opportunity for him to do well in the transfer portal and Mississippi state is starting to come out. You know, we've gotten some big donations. We have a lot of money that's come in over the last month into our NIL, the bulldog initiative that we can then go and get and pay for some of these players. You know, there's been a couple big time commits that have decommitted from Oklahoma, not saying they're coming to Starkville, but they decommitted after Levy left. And so there's opportunities there for him to go restock the cupboards and next year be a competitive year. We have the worst schedule next year for us to be competitive, though. Our four road games are Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Georgia. Ole Miss, Texas, Georgia, Tennessee. And we also play at Arizona State, which is not a hard road game. It's just a long road game. Right. Next year's schedule is formidable. Our home games are Florida, A&M, Missouri, and Arkansas. So the home schedule is not bad. But if you could just be competitive next year, because that was the biggest takeaway from Mississippi State this year to me was we just weren't competitive. There was no fight. There was no effort. There was just no competitive pride, nothing. We just looked flat in every single football game that we played, except for Arizona. We found a way to beat that team before Arizona got good somehow. Right. You all, you should have lost that game. Should have lost that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just like we should have beat South Carolina, we should have lost that game. But that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for in this transition. Jeff Levy brings some fire. He brings some baggage. We kind of handed at this a minute ago earlier, you know, Art Bryles is his father-in-law. And if you're a fan of college football, you know, that's a name that is not spoken well of in college Voldemort football. In because, college football. That's it. Because he covered up some sexual abuse allegations and Jeff Levy was on that coaching staff that helped hide some of that. So there is some baggage with that, but you can't argue the on-field results. Right, the guy coaches offense. He coaches offensive well, offense as well. The biggest thing he has to do outside of the transfer portal is a defensive coordinator. You've got to find a guy that can help rebuild that defense. We've been a three-three-five defense for the last several years under Zach Arnett, and I think that's going to change. That's Arnett's baby. Not a lot of people run that three-three-five. We're going to have to hit the transfer portal to get guys that can fit that. You know, Jet Johnson is a versatile linebacker that could probably do that if he chooses to come back. Bookie Watson's already gone, but there's going to have to be some players that come in and step up and make those plays. I'm excited about the future of Mississippi State football. Anytime you get a new coach, it's something to be excited about. But especially one of the better offensive minds that's in our game today. It's a great opportunity for a rebuild, for a fresh start. And, I mean, Jeff Levy, amidst all the pomp and circumstance of his announcements, said we're going to be a team that scores points. And I hope that's the case. We struggled to score seven, much less ten points this year. It'll be nice to have an on-field product that's exciting because, again, credit where credit's due. Ole Miss has a very exciting product on the field. People want to watch Ole Miss games because of – 
Lane Kiffin's theatrics and analytics and going forward on fourth down. Not only that, but you move the football high effectively. Scoring, high scoring. High scoring. You score a bunch yeah. of, of points. You stretch the field. Things that Mississippi State did not do this year. Things that Mississippi State didn't do under Mike Leach, God rest his soul, because it was very much a death by a thousand cuts style offense. Right. So now we've got a guy that has that big play offense, that has that offense that can stretch the field and put an exciting product on it. Now we as fans have to come out and support that through going to ball games and supporting the Bulldog Initiative to be able to get the players that we need to make this a competitive product in the next two years. So let me ask you this. Uh, given all the hype from the uh, the hire was announced on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, word started getting out Saturday night that that was probably what's going to happen. Before that, uh, I know you're excited, and right now you're like, Lebby was the best hire that we could have made. That's just the natural progression of a fan. I, I'm not you, there. Was uh, who? Where did he end up on your list? Where would you have went? He's top five for me, but he's probably like three or four. I Chadwell. Think, I think Chadwell. I think Mike Elko. I mean, obviously, we weren't going to get him. He's going to A&M. But that's still the name that you go and you pursue pretty hard. I think Levy falls kind of right in that area with John Sumrall and Rhett Lashley from SMU. Like, those are guys like that are kind of on that same tier. Like, you go for the guys with proven head coaching experience, right. and if you can't get those, you step into the OC. So, for me, I think it's a good hire. I've been saying this all along. I think I told you this. I've told everybody this. Ask me about it. I like the hire. I don't love the hire. I think that there's no reason that we couldn't go pull a sitting power five or at least a G5 head coaching a head coach from somewhere. There's no reason Mississippi State couldn't go do that. It feels like a safe hire because of his connection to Zach Selman. He went and he made a familiar hire with a guy he's worked with before, and there's some there's comfort and familiarity, yeah, it kind right? Of, it kind of felt like Danny White when he went to Tennessee. Yeah. And the Shiano thing got shot down, so he just went and hired his guy. He went and hired Josh Heupel from UCF. And it worked out really, really well. And it, I hope the same happens in Starville. It just feels very comfortable. I don't – know the conversations that were had with Chadwell. He came out pretty early and said he wasn't interested. I, I think know. what happened with Chadwell is what I said would happen in that he is extremely comfortable making a lot of money at a job with no expectations. Yeah. He's not going to take he's a Biden his time. on he's, his next job. He's Biden yeah. his time until Tennessee or Florida or somewhere comes calling because he's yeah. going to get that call. He's going to be yeah, that he guy. Will. Because he will never go any worse than 11 and 0, 12, I mean, and 11 and 1. Especially going to Conference USA, yeah. they're going to run the freaking table. But so, my thought on it, or go ahead and finish. Last thing I'll say, I think it's a good hire. I, I, I am excited about it. It's not my favorite hire. It's not the guy that I would have just completely hitched my wagon to. But I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, if you ask me, like, hype level, like, one being this is terrible, 10, we found the second coming of Mississippi State football. I think it's somewhere around a six, maybe a six and a half, somewhere around in there. Oh, that's actually lower than – I figured you'd have been totally hyped at this point. I think it's like six, six and a half. I think it's a solid hire. I think yeah. it's an op- – it, it, there's a chance we're going to score a lot of points and we're going to be a very exciting on-field product. But the baggage makes me a little bit nervous. The unprovenness makes me a little bit nervous when there was probably some opportunities for a sitting head coach. And that leads me right into my point. Um I think that Mississippi State put out a lot of feelers. I feel like they got told no a few times. I don't think they. I I don't think they actually went out and, you know, they went out to Chadwell for sure. And for reasons that I've outlined, I think Chadwell said, "Nah, I'm good, making three and a half million dollars a year here," which is basically Levy's only making what four and a half. Four and a half. He has a million. So it wasn't worth a million dollars to 
Chadwell to come. It would be nice to not to turn down a million dollar pay raise. Right. To be in that kind of position, right? Yeah. And uh, I thought that they settled a little with Levy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think that they weighed out two options. It seems pretty clear that their backup plan was John Summerall. Mm -hmm. They went with Levy, and probably for the reasons you outlined, and John Selman was at Oklahoma before he was at Mississippi State. Zach Selman. Zach Selman. Uh, and so I think that's why that's why they went with Levy. But I think they went extremely short-term, short-sighted with it when I'm a huge fan of John Sumrall. I think John Sumrall is an absolute culture builder, program builder, and it builds teams for the long haul. I believe he does, goes about it the right way. He's very culture-driven. And I believe at Mississippi State, he would have done an incredible job, but you would have needed to give him three to four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he would rip it down to the sh- to the studs and build it from the ground up in his identity with his culture. And by the time he got rolling, it would be built to last. I believe that State went with Lebby for two reasons. One, Zach Selman's connection. And two, he will probably be better faster. Yeah. Uh, he will probably be better faster, but I don't know that he he's going to be one of those coaches though that's looking for his next jump. If sure. he goes eight and four in year two or nine and three in year two at Mississippi State, and another school comes calling that he finds more desirable, he will jump. Mm-hmm. And whereas in the past that would have always made Ole Miss fans sour, like no, I don't want anybody that would ever that thinks. Ole Miss is anything other than home forever. Like, that's just not how college football is. And, I and think especially at Mississippi State, when we're in such a untethered free fall right now, this feels like yeah. this is a pivotal moment in program history. And so, yeah. if in two years we go eight and four or nine and three, and he goes somewhere else, much like you said about Lane Kiffin, that yeah. means we're in a healthy place and right. you have an opportunity right. to either at least get a lateral or a little bit better coach because right. you've got. You, if you're more eight, to bring to the table, if yeah. you're eight and four, nine and three, that means your NIL money is stocked. That means that you've got guys that are interested in the program, and you're getting support that you need from the staff to be able to go get these kids. Right, and so I just think that uh, I think they made a good hire. Uh, I think they could have done a lot worse. Yeah, but for me, as an Ole Miss fan, I was more scared of them hiring John Sumrall not because of what he would do against Ole Miss in the next two years, but what years three through eight would look like. Because I truly believe, you see what he's done at Troy, he's going to be the next coach at Florida or somewhere, and he is going to do an incredible job of building a culture and an identity. You know in college football, those are always the scariest kind of teams you run up against. It's an identity that they're, they're just physical and they that you can the great coaches have a personality that their players resemble yeah. that they 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 emulate their coach yeah. and i believe he's one of those guys and i think levy can be that kind of guy as well he just he might be he might be a step ahead and skyrocketing up he then again he could be the guy that's there six seven eight years you know Dan Mullen was a very similar hire. He was a unproven, hot commodity OC who had right. coached some great quarterbacks, who had won some big right. games, he had won some national championships at Florida, and came in as a guy that had some swagger and had an offensive system that was different. It took him a couple years to get it built. 
and then took Mississippi State to the pinnacle. And then Dak Prescott showed up. And, and took us to yeah. the pinnacle of college football. Maybe Jeff Levy gets his Dak Prescott in a year or two, two years, and takes Mississippi State back up on a similar role. If that's the case, and then he goes back to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or he goes to Florida or Florida State, wherever he ends up, that means similar trajectory, yeah. right? Because Dan Mullen had us going in a right, right direction. That last year we kind of fell off a little bit because he was very heavily – he was interested in Kansas. Like he was looking at other jobs pretty right. heavy. But he was a hot commodity because we were a very good football team on the back half of his tenure right. at Mississippi State. I mean, he got a Florida gig out of it. I mean, that's it. And if Jeff Levy stays with us five, six years and gets a Florida gig or a gig like that, then that means Mississippi State football is yeah, back. absolutely. And I'm completely absolutely. completely satisfied with that product. Again, I give it about a six and a half out of six, six and a half out of ten. I'm not overwhelmed. Oh, my gosh, this is our guy of the future like I would have been, maybe with a Jamie Chadwell. But I think it's a better hire than and, and this you you may disagree with me on this, but I think it's a better hire than maybe even like a Willie Fritz simply because he's young, he's got some some it's swagger. Not, Willie Fritz would have been boring. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this uh, is a yeah. program changing Absolutely. hire. Willie Fritz would have been we'd have, I felt like we'd have just he kind is, of planed off and been boring football again. But now we have If you would have hired high. Willie Fritz, it would have said everything I needed to hear about the state of the Mississippi State football program. Mm. And that it's dead and lifeless yeah. and there's not much hope for but the next you, ten years. But you get a young guy yeah. like Jeff Levy, yeah. you get a in, fresh influx of NIL money, you get Google to sponsor one of your kids and pay one of your kids. So you still weird. don't know why but you get that yeah. kind of money coming in and all of a sudden there's a little bit of traction here and if levy can come in and capitalize on it mississippi state football could be back sooner than later yeah and i think he's he is a really good coach i think that he is a really good offensive coordinator and he's got more connections mm -hmm. than somebody like zach arnett did oh for, for sure, sure. He, for he's sure. not going to have nearly the trouble hiring coordinators mm -hmm. um I, unfortunately, Bobby Petrino is off the board, though. As he goes I, back man, to you took the word. I was about to say, that's enough about State and Ole Miss. How about the head coach in waiting at Arkansas? Oh, right? That's the got, only scenario that this – that's the only way this works. It's poetry, man. This is this is just poetry. I love Arkansas, full circle. If I, they have to know what they did, right? They, they – Kept their lame duck head coach that just went four and eight in the SEC, promised him another year, but just went and hired their most recent successful head coach that got fired for shagging a former volleyball player turned athletic department assistant and wrecking a motorcycle with her on the back of it. Fired in disgrace, and he he went to the island of he went banished to the island of Patmos to uh, to go to, where was it, Missouri State, almost only almost beat Arkansas in Fayetteville as the head coach of Missouri State. And, and then they're just like, all right, come on back after a year of misery with Jimbo. And they hired him with a lame duck head coach, knowing that if they fire Sam Pittman, in the middle of the 2024 football season, there is only one option that they have, and that is promoting Bobby Petrino to the interim head coaching job. I cannot imagine how a script could be written any more perfectly than what it is right now. You know, Bobby Petrino was a good coach. Those mallet teams were really good. He won nine or ten games a couple different times. Had that offense really humming. He's a really good head coach. He 
his problem is he's also just a really big dirt bag, and he's not the kind of person or player, or I'm sorry, not the kind of person or coach that any player wants to play for. He's just a dirt bag, and they have aligned these stars so perfectly for a midseason ousting of Sam Pittman only to get Bobby Petrino part two. 2.0, baby, and I am here for it. I, and you said in our group chat, like, I hope at game one he rides out on a motorcycle for his entrance and just, like, come rolling in on a Harley, blaring, like, just come complete full circle. I said that same thing when he brought Missouri State to Fayetteville (laughs) last year and almost beat them. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking – how bad, Rusty, we've all had ex-girlfriends and stuff, but, like – how bad and desperate do you have to be, man, to call saying, that man. guy? Like I'm just you're saying. Like, oh, we had great times, whatnot. But but then he went and shagged a high school vol. I mean, a college volleyball player yeah. and put him in his staff, and then wrecked a motorcycle right. and showed up in the most embarrassing right. press conference of all time, wearing his sugar bowl hat and a neck brace and, and a scarred road face. rash on his face, and and got fired, and just sequestered Drew, forever we've and, been we've been good friends for a long time now i hope that you love me enough that if i went back to an ex and you just and you knew that it was bad for me that you would step in and intervene and nobody loves the university of arkansas enough to be that friend that steps in and says look what she did to you last time yeah don't I mean, do this it's just like Oh, we're just going to hang out. You know, we're just going to grab coffee or whatnot. But we all know where this is going to be. Your coffee date is going to end up with him being the head coach of your football team again. This is Parks and Rec when Ron and Tammy, too, go for coffee. And they end up in prison. And his mustache is rubbed off due to friction, as he said. He's got cornrows and a a moo-moo or kimono on. And this is exactly what happens. Like, you don't go back to the ex that left you at the altar. And that's what happened here. And I'm here for it. I, it couldn't happen oh, to a better man. fan base. It couldn't happen to a better university. Arkansas sucks. What does Sam Pittman say about oh, this? My I gosh. mean, you know, he had nothing to do with his hire, right? Like this came oh, from above God. him, and they hired him and say, "We need this to regenerate this program." And he said, they "Okay." Like, they said, "Here's our stipulations." All the money people, we're going to go get a former member of this staff who had lots of success and is, and and has really renovated our team. Right. And they're like. Oh, okay, let's go get Gus. So I like, no. No, no. No, we're not gonna go get Gus. Better. We're gonna go get Petrino. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I and I look like, at I look at Sam Pittman like in Dumb and Dumber when just when I can't think you you can go and do anything worse, you go and do something like this. Yeah. And totally redeem yourself. <laughs> and the only person more upset this today and more embarrassed today than Sam Pittman is our good friend Hugh Freeze. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, t- I called you Saturday night, and I said, Rusty, I'm free. I'm free at last, free at last. Fourth and 25 is no longer no the longer. worst mistake that's ever been made in college football. Hugh Freeze, the the uh, the fourth – now, fourth and 25 was a fluke. Hugh Freeze was just a absolute bonehead rushing two pass, two pass rushers yeah. and having a spy – on fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. It was fourth if, and 31. Uh, yeah, as if Jalen Milrow is going to run for a 31-yard touchdown when you've got 11 defensive backs and linebackers standing at the goal line. I mean. Like, what are you doing? And for to have 
single coverage in the end zone? On Isaiah Bond, who's been a stud receiver on the back half of the year for Alabama. What are you doing? And just – now, it hurt Ole Miss, honestly. You really needed sure. Alabama to be in the playoff, and you were hoping Alabama beats Georgia. Two one-loss SEC teams get in the playoff. That opens up a spot in the New Year's Six for Ole Miss. But then I thought, Hugh Freeze, my man, what are you doing? <laughs> this is fun. Like, like, can for that to happen in Jordan Hare, mm. like everybody was so down on Hugh Freeze this year. For some reason, the Auburn fans are just bonkers. They yeah. think they're a top five program, but in reality, they're not. No. They're like a top 15 program yeah. that had Cam Newton at one time. Right. And, and for them to – be like so down on Hugh Freeze for going six and five going yeah. into the Iron Bowl and and just not happy at all in year one for them him to almost redeem himself to like a ten year contract if he pulls this one off and the celebration in the stands has started my mm-hmm. friend and for them Isaiah Todd to get loose and get loose puts a little bit too much yeah. credit to the receiver and not enough blame on the DB head coach of yeah. Auburn, uh, but to let them get loose and catch that and just the stun, I love the college girls crying. I loved all the reaction videos because there were so oh. many people recording themselves to record the celebration. Oh yeah, and it captured the moment of despair. And they posted it Having anyway. Deleted gems are there right now. Oh my right? gosh. Just, and Just in somebody's iCloud that never got published. But a bunch of them still got posted, and oh, they're no, incredible because no. they're just as joyous. They're hugging their friends. They're like, yeah. And then they're they watching. Don't even know. And then they're watching the Jumbotron, and you can just see the color just drain out of their face live on camera, and I'm here for it. I love like, sad imagine college Imagine if the fans. kick six happened in Bryant Denny. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Like, fourth and 25 was. SEC championship game on the line for Ole Miss. You see Hunter Henry heave the ball over his head backwards like 15 yards and pandemonium in that stadium. And then you just watch as like, is he just going to keep running? Wait. Wait. (laughs) And then it was just like, I sat in the stands for 15 or 20 minutes after the game was over and it was just nobody was on the field. And me and our friend Hunter Shaw just looked at each other like, what the heck just happened? Mm. And I I can't imagine that in like a, in an Iron Bowl kind Ooh. of environment Ooh. where you had you had the Tiger by the tail. There were there were like four different opportunities yeah. for Auburn to win that game, and they just kept. Yeah. They just kept screwing it up. They All they had to do was, was catch the punt, yeah. and it's over. Yeah. No, you muffed it. Then there was a – they snapped it over Milrow's head. It's like on a goal-to-go situation. And then Milrow boneheaded – jogs past the line of scrimmage and throws it downfield and there's a loss of down it's like how auburn how many times yeah. do they have to let you win this game yeah. before you just accept it because and they didn't like it was perfect because normally like you get that jordan hair magic auburn wins kooky games at home they beat george on that tips that tip six they the kick six like there's so many kooky things happen there you just right. felt like it was one of those games alabama was trying to give them the game and it just felt like auburn had their magic until they didn't. And Jalen Milrow, credit, had 30 minutes to throw that pass, but found Isaiah Bond in the corner and threw a beautiful pass towards the pylon for him to go get. I mean, I'm, I'm an, as a fan of Mississippi State, 
that didn't have any dog in the hunt. I'm a fan of chaos, but yeah. I also love watching Hugh Beautiful. Freeze get beat. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a win win. It really was seeing Alabama lose in that fashion as eleven really and was. one and national. I mean, playoff hopes and dashed. all this other kind of stuff just dashed by Hugh Freeze and Auburn, who's going to finish the season at seven and five, and just like the ultimate upset. And then the other side of that coin was like, oh, we could also see Hugh Freeze and all of Auburn at home just get castrated mm-hmm. right in front of us. Like, on, oh, man, it's just great. On live CBS, the only game yeah, playing at the time, the world great. is watching, and Hugh Freeze falls flat on his face. And I was score watching a lot. Nothing really went Ole Miss's way on Saturday because you were looking at all those championship games and you're just like, okay, well, if Washington would lose, that would make them a one-loss team. They probably wouldn't get in the playoff. It may give Alabama a shot to jump up. You're you're playing those games out yeah. all day. Uh, Louisville losing was the only thing that happened that helped us, you know, because Louisville puts them at two losses with losses to Kentucky and Pitt. They're behind us. I ain't worried about them anymore. Uh, but then you're like, okay, well, if Washington lose, and Washington played a really competitive close game with Wazoo in the Apple Cup that ended with a walk-off field goal for Washington, and then you're like, can Auburn really knock Alabama down to two losses? Maybe they get a third loss in the SEC championship game. That puts them behind Ole Miss in the yeah. loss category. You know, maybe that helps us out. That didn't work. Uh, Miami – I mean, Florida – Florida is playing Florida State with a backup quarterback, and Florida just quit and got real nasty. I mean, it was competitive Uh, early, and then Florida just kind of laid down. Yeah, and so uh, it is nothing really went our way, but, man, it was a fun day to watch football. Great end of the season. Like I said, I firmly firmly put on the coat of satisfaction at this point. Sure. And I'm just going to enjoy it. You know, yes, if you're asking me to pick where we go, I would love to go play – you know, I would love to go play Penn State in the Cotton Bowl or, you know, a big-name team in a big-name New Year's Six Bowl. But, man, yeah. uh, a Citrus Bowl at 10-2 and two in the regular season with a matchup against the Iowa's, it is not a loss, man. That's not a bad yeah, I mean, season. It, it's not bad. That's not a bad season. And, uh, you know, kudos yeah. to you. Shout-out Ole Miss for having a great season. And State, we're and just And I was reset. right. Yeah. I told you I was going to take a victory lap. Sure. I was so right about Mississippi State. Yeah. I, I, I was so right. I I got I I actually I think picked they actually won more games than what I think I I can't remember if I picked them at six and six or five and seven. You had them at five and seven, and you had I I think you had you had them beating South Carolina as the only conference win. Yeah, and so I uh, I was so on the bandwagon that just because Will Rogers was good with Mike Leach does not make him good with anybody else. There's a track record for that. Uh, for Mike, for, former Mike Leach quarterbacks not being good without Mike Leach. And uh, just really wanted to take uh, just a moment of everybody's time and just pat myself on the back. Well, shout out. Glad you got <laughs> to do that. Um, yeah, going forward, college football is winding down. We still got a lot to talk about. With We'll talk about championships Saturday next week. We'll talk about some of the bowl games because those will be set. Drew will be able yep. to kind of you know preview the Ole Miss bowl game. We'll talk about the college football playoffs. We'll be able to talk about a lot of things coming up. Also, in eight more games, Drew, the Grizz basketball season officially starts as we get one yeah. John Morant back, and we'll finally be back and wholesome. Got our team and just in time for like <laughs> football to be winding down right. and us to really be able to have something to talk about. Right, it, it, the Grizzlies are not fun uh, to talk about. Right now. Notice we're not. This is the only segment we're going to talk about them tonight because they're not fun basketball. We got a great win looked, last night. 
they're four and thirteen. Yeah, uh, they broke a four-game losing streak last night to the Utah Jazz, who have six wins on the season, yeah. two of which are against the Grizzlies. Yeah, but we <laughs> looked a part of an NBA team last night. Jaron Jackson Jr. was super aggressive. Uh, David Roddy could not miss. Five for nine from three last night. Had a big, big game. But we get job back. We'll get X healthy. We'll get Santi fully healthy. Luke Kennard will be fully healthy. We'll get those yeah. guys back. And, you know, Marcus Smart. For us, Marcus Smart, you know, the Grizz are 4 0 this year when Derrick Rose starts. So make that man start until John Morant comes back. But the for us, the last 50 games are going to be the key to the season. How we perform Absolutely. in the new calendar year. We're not out of the hunt. There's still a scenario where we're not even just a play-in seed, but we're in that nine, that eight, nine, seven, somewhere right in there. There, there's a path to that. It's not easy, but there's a path to that. And so, biggest thing is we'll talk about Jock coming back. We'll talk about the Grizz going forward. We'll talk about our two SEC basketball teams that are looking good so far. State and Ole Miss both playing some good basketball, beating some good teams. Um, got got a, a lot of exciting things to talk about, even though football season is winding down. Yeah, so um, we also need to talk uh, about our League of Avengers. We've got two weeks left in the regular season, and I took a massive loss. I mean, just an absolute backbreaker last week. You know, two weeks ago, we came on the podcast, and we said, you know, we have five-way tie for first place at 7-3. and Three Three of us made it to 8-3, and but last week I took a devastating loss. I was uh, 8-3. and I was playing Mutters, who was seven and four, and you just really had to have this one because he's right on my heels, and he got me, and he got me by like forty points. It was just devastating, and now I'm about the four seed, but it's really close. And I text you my lineup, Rusty. Uh, bye weeks have ravaged yes. my team. I am down. Saquon Barkley, James Cook, uh, Darren Waller. And Justin Jefferson's on by this week when he's actually coming back, and it is I just with a twelve team league with a deep bench like we use, there was nobody to fill the roster. I'm starting Ty J Spears, uh, Trey McBride with my flex being Pat Fryermuth. Uh, it's bad, man. Bad, and bad. It could not have come at a worse time because. Uh, this is the last week. No, this is the second to last mm-hmm. week of the season, and I really have to win this game, and uh, it's just not looking good. Wow. Uh, we'll go through the scoreboard here um, for last week. Um, let's see. Let me get back to because there's a game going on. It repopulated. <laughs> uh, the Buddy Stevens Award goes to the guy who played me. And no, wait. What's 180, 11, 40, 43 points? Uh, yeah, no, the uh, Buddy Stevens Award goes to our good buddy, Trooper Gibson, Cousin Kirk, with a 44-point win over Patrick Jones to get him to 6-6, six and six, and most points scored in a loss. Uh, the Al Gore Award goes to Team Farrell. Andrew Farrell had scored 117 points and lost by 21 to Hunter Shaw, who improves to 9-3. Our standings, Rusty. Have you taken a look at our standings? You're at the top. I right am. Here, I've so. snuck back up there, man. Nine and three. Yeah. Me and Hunter Shaw are right up there as the top seeds, man. Yep. So uh, it's funny. This they're separated in divisions. In our division, uh, there's five teams, uh, six teams, four of which are eliminated from playoff contention. The other two are us. <laughs> us. Uh, and uh, so we've got Rusty at nine and three, and Hunter at nine and three. 
the point differential goes to Hunter by a hefty margin on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, with Hunter being the one seed and Rusty being the two seed. The three seed right now, we've got a tie between myself and Michael Mutters. Um, the point differential favors me, so I'm the three. Mutters is the four, both at eight and four. But on our heels is Justin Lumpkin and Aaron Ivey. Aaron, who's lost two in a row. Justin has lost two in a row, kind of going the wrong way on that one. Um, everybody else is eliminated, with the exception of Kirk, who has a 5% <laughs> chance to make the playoffs. Um, and so it's pivotal. I've got to win this week. Uh, but then I'm looking at next week uh, where we've got week 16. I mean, I'm sorry, it, it's not the NFL. It's the last week of the regular season, and uh, I will play Justin Lumpkin and what looks to be probably a win-or-go-home kind of scenario here. Yeah, and I mean, for me, this is the probably the biggest week of the season for me is I am playing Hunter Shaw. For the first and uh, second seed, it's and a you massive game. Him nice. I know. I called him on bye weeks, and injuries are hitting him hard. He's starting Taysom Hill as his tight end, but he's got Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, and DJ Moore all on bye this week. I called him at the right time. I just like it feels like the stars are aligning. I just don't need to screw up this weekend. Right. So we'll keep everybody posted. Uh, next week we may do a big long talk on the standings mm. and see what we're looking like with one week to play. And uh, and then maybe the you know once we get into after the playoffs, be looking for a big Drewski's episode. I'm know, here we'll, for we'll it. Really Let's dive go. into that. Look, dive into who had the biggest pickup and yep. uh, overall season totals kind of thing. So in the meantime, uh, Rusty, tell them where we they can catch us this this episode this week. Man, as always, you're probably listening on one of your favorite podcast channels, but we're on all of them: uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, that's where we are. If you want to see our ugly mugs, if you want to see my shout-out to the holiday season Christmas tree cake shirt, if you want to see mascot of the podcast, Ted, you can find us on YouTube, the Two Buck Sports Podcast on there. Follow us on all social media. Interact with us. As you see, you do get shout-outs on air, so make sure you interact with our polls. we got a lot more coming up planned for you. Leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to our show, and we appreciate y'all being here. Until then, Drew, I appreciate you, buddy. We will see y'all next week. Play our music, Rusty. Let's go. See ya.